0: This might date me, but I remember when I was a kid, there used to be these old Listerine commercials from the 1990s.
1: You realize you're younger than me, right, Janine? Tell me, what are you talking about? You
0: know, the ones that would talk about the perils of gum disease. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. The perils of gingivitis. (laughs) Exactly. But... If you're going to bring up 90s commercials, uh, how do you not go with the Budweiser frogs? Or Mentos, the fresh maker? (laughs) I don't
0: know. I guess gingivitis stuck out in my mind because it really did sound crazy scary to little (laughs) Janine.
1: Yeah. But to be fair, if it doesn't scare you now, you're probably not (laughs) seeing your dentist enough.
0: Well, I think that what always got me was that it was such a scary sounding name. I didn't learn that itis just meant inflammation until medical school.
1: I'm still trying to see where you're going with this one.
0: Well, after our last discussion about CO pd carl and i talked about how to classify it we talked about how symptoms matter but population level outcomes matter too and they don't correlate as well as we might like
1: sure and what's kind of cool is that inflammation is common to both disease uh god i think i know where you're trying to go with this (laughs) exactly inflammation itis that's (laughs) awesome nice Not our strongest intro, though.
0: But it got the job done. Speaking of getting the job done, Steve, steroids. They make inflammation go away. (laughs) So So logically, they should improve COPD.
1: So it might seem that way, but the way that we've looked at steroids and COPD actually hasn't always been that straightforward.
0: Really? I feel like it's almost standard that with a COPD exacerbation, you get five days of steroids and then the waiting game to see if a person feels better.
1: But even as recent as your beloved 90s, Janine using steroids wasn't even the standard of practice.
0: Ah, so the intro works in two ways.
1: No, 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 no. There is no <laughs> salvaging that, need. You just got lucky here.
0: Okay, fine. <laughs> then take us through what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Okay. So to start off, lesson one. When did we start using steroids in COPD?
0: And what took us so long?
1: A.K.A. how effective are they?
0: And number two, what's this five-day course and why is it a standard?
1: Lastly, number three, should we start with IV for that extra oomph or is oral just as good?
0: So surprising, it'll take your breath away. Oh, I guess. (laughs) Okay, get pumped. What's that? Let's dive deeper into the mad world of steroids and COPD. I'm Janine Knudsen. And I'm Steve Liu. This is Mind the Gap, a Core IM podcast with the support of Clinical Correlations.
1: Our show today was peer-reviewed by Melissa Lesko, a pulmonologist at m
0: Just a quick word from our sponsor.
2: We all want to eat healthier, but let's be honest, between our busy schedule and the endless prep and cleanup, it feels kind of out of our reach. You know, we often are aiming for better nutrition, but end up compromising for quick fixes that are anything but healthy. Now, imagine a different scenario. Picture a day where you're coming home to gourmet, nutritious meals that are ready in just two minutes. With Factors, that is possible. Factors delivers delicious, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals right to your door, ready to heat in just two minutes, giving you over 35 weekly options to choose from, from Calorie Smart to Protein Plus to Keto. And don't forget, they have 60-plus add-ons for an extra boost from breakfast to midday bites so you're not spending all your time and money in the hospital's cafeteria. So no prep, no mess, just real mouthwatering meals tailored to fit your schedule and dietary needs. With Factor, you're not just saving time, but you're elevating your meal game without the hassle of cooking. Head to Factormeals.com slash 50 Use the code Coriam50 to get 50% off. That's the code Coriam50 at Factormeals.com slash 50
0: So let's talk steroids and COPD.
1: More specifically, COPD exacerbation.
0: To recap, let's review the criteria for a COPD exacerbation.
1: One, a change in baseline dyspnea. Two,
0: a change in baseline cough.
1: Three, a change in sputum quantity or purulence.
0: So having two out of those three suggests an exacerbation of COPD.
1: Moving back to treatment, if we've known COPD is pretty much an itis for like 100 years, what took us so long to use the world's greatest anti-inflammatory agent?
0: To be fair, the side effects of steroids like hyperglycemia and increasing risk of infection aren't exactly things you can ignore.
1: In fact, most of the studies we're going to talk about today purposefully didn't include patients with an active infection.
0: That may be an obvious point to some, but we mention it because how often have you seen the admission for, quote, rule out pneumonia versus COPD exacerbation?
1: Only to see the poor person treated for both of these diseases. They get steroids with just the dash of Lasix to hedge against heart failure exacerbation.
0: Man, that's like the billing department's golden goose.
1: And I guess the corollary to this is with the liver.
0: Since we can't seem to stop talking about the liver. It's
1: so awesome. Um, so yeah, in alcoholic hepatitis, there's this ever controversial use of steroids.
0: Well, for the lungs, there's been a lot of controversy too, especially in the 90s when they started to study steroids and COPD.
1: And that might explain why the first RCT published in 1999 only had 56 participants. And how
0: do you get a reliable effect size from that?
1: <laughs> well... Yeah, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: well, that study showed that there was an improvement between 14 days of prednisone versus placebo.
1: And that sounds pretty great, right? Uh, the first RCT here is a positive one.
0: But it comes with caveats. Despite improvement in FEV1 and shorter length of stay, patient outcomes didn't change six weeks down the line.
1: And that's a little frustrating. It's a trend that we see throughout the treatment of COPD.
0: Yeah, treatment unfortunately doesn't correlate to long-term improvements in mortality or disease progression.
1: Sure, but that doesn't stop them from having a second second larger trial. Uh, This happened also in 1999 and it's called the SCOPE study. That's scope with two C's.
0: This one was a lot bigger. 271 vets got either an eight-week course of steroids, a two-week course, or placebo.
1: And here again, they're going to show steroids improved outcomes. Patients in either steroid group did much better than placebo.
0: Well, what about the difference between two and six weeks of steroids?
1: Uh, let's come back to that. Uh, first, we should actually explain what we mean by improvement. Sure. So let's start by defining improvement. What we mean by that is actually... a lack of failure. That's a really strange way to say a double negative. Yeah, my English teacher would not be proud. (laughs) Um, So what we're trying to avoid here is treatment failure, which typically refers to death, intubation, readmission, or escalation of treatment.
0: But didn't we just say that there isn't a difference in mortality between steroids or no steroids?
1: Yeah. So for the studies we talked about, it actually ends up being one of the other three things.
0: Okay, obviously intubation, readmission, or escalation of treatment matter, but whenever we talk about the utility of medical treatment, we'd like to see an improvement in mortality too.
1: So, not surprisingly, a lot of other folks tried to do the same study, but with varying designs. Mm.
0: And the folks at Cochrane sat down and reviewed what they thought were the nine best trials, and they found...
1: Steroids reduce the risk of treatment failure by about 50%.
0: With a number needed to treat of just nine.
1: But again, mortality and ICU length of stay aren't going to get changed.
0: Darn. Yeah. Though the total length of stay did come down by one to two days for you QIPS folks out there.
1: I, I guess fewer hospitals days is probably better for patients anyway.
0: Fortunately, the patients getting steroids didn't necessarily get more secondary infections, although they did see more hyperglycemia.
1: So how many days should we treat for, if we're going to weigh pros and cons?
0: Well, pretty much as soon as we started using steroids to treat COPD, researchers began asking exactly that question. How long is too long?
1: Look. No further than the study we just cited for proof.
0: Yeah, let's come back to the SCOPE trial.
1: That's with two Cs.
0: <laughs> the two-week versus eight weeks of steroids trial. They found no difference in outcomes, right?
1: Longer is not better.
0: But that didn't convince everyone. For a few decades, the numbers that people were using were all over
1: the place. Patients would get anywhere between a steroid shot in the ED to a eight-week taper.
0: And for pretty much two decades, the gold guidelines reflected this, stating that the standard of care was for a 10- to 14-day course. In fact, the Europeans still say this.
1: Europeans. (laughs) (laughs) And then everything changes when the reduced trial comes out.
0: Wow, talk about a trial naming genius. You know, it really is well-named. Well, it stands for Reduction in the Use of Corticosteroids and Exacerbated COPD.
1: And we're just completely going to ignore how much mental (laughs) gymnastics that takes to get reduced.
0: Yeah, this 2013 study was a non-inferiority trial.
1: And yeah, you know, someday we're going to have to come back to non-inferiority trials and their pitfalls. Not
0: today, Steve. Not today. Someday. That was published in JAMA looking at 5 days versus 14 days of prednisone for COPD.
1: And remember, at this point, because of gold, 14 days is the standard of care.
0: And we're talking 40 milligrams of oral prednisone daily.
1: And we'll also get to PO versus IV in a second.
0: For treatment of COPD exacerbation. They also received the other, quote, standards of care, including an antibiotics.
1: Very debatable.
0: (laughs) Inhaled steroids, anticholinergics, and beta agonists.
1: And they showed at six months.
0: No difference.
1: Your turn to interrupt. Okay. Um, So just over a third of both patient groups had COPD exacerbations within six months.
0: And as much as I'd be happy about that conclusion that more steroids aren't better, the overall treatment success rate of 60% is pretty sobering.
1: Definitely. These are some sick people, and most have moderate to severe COPD at baseline, and 92% required hospitalization for their COPD exacerbation. And this
0: trial alone convinced the folks at GOLD to update their guidelines to suggest a duration of therapy no more than five to seven days.
1: Wait a minute. Where <laughs> did that seven days come from? Okay,
0: I'm actually not sure about that, because <laughs> I mean... they don't cite any other papers for this new recommendation. Literally, it's just this one trial.
1: Maybe that explains why the Europeans are so reluctant to climb aboard.
0: So. then what about our last learning point, oral versus IV steroids?
1: After all, if we're going to be basing our practice on reduces protocol, we actually should be using oral steroids like they did.
0: It does make some sense after all. Oral and IV steroids have the same bioavailability.
1: Not surprisingly. Gold suggests that oral and IV steroids are equivalent.
0: But this kind of feels like something we say more than we practice. After all, who hasn't been tempted to start IV steroids on a patient that just hasn't gotten better fast enough?
1: And this point is a a bit tougher to tease out. IV and PO steroids are thought to have similar rates of onset.
0: Yeah, and I guess we give side-eye to practitioners that use IV over PO. It's not a thing. What is side-eye? <laughs> side eye. Lots of side-eye. At equipotent doses, the data show no quantitative differences in outcomes.
1: Yeah, in the same way, 14 days isn't really worse than 5. We just think giving less medication is better.
0: Because values. Would you want to be tethered to an IV pole or from assistance perspective, induce more cost?
1: Some value-based medicine for y'all. Uh-huh. Or is it an unsaid notion that changing from IV to PO means that things are getting better and we're moving forward with our patient's care?
0: Sure. So maybe it's a medical philosophy point. But the counterpoint can be made that if a person can't take PO, maybe IV is better because, say, they're in respiratory distress.
1: Or maybe they actually do have heart failure. And they have gut edema, leading to the compromise of bioavailability due to poor gut absorption.
0: So maybe the thing to take away here is with IV versus PO antibiotics or with the length of therapy, there may not be an exact answer.
1: And you need to ask yourself, what matters in how you make your decision?
0: Because it's not just about the data. It's about the practice of medicine.
1: COPD exacerbations have a drastic impact on quality of life.
0: To put it in sobering numbers, 10% of patients with exacerbations never return to baseline within three months of an exacerbation.
1: So it's all the more important for us to recognize the severity of this disease and to put real thought into it.
0: So to recap, we started using steroids in the early 90s, finally developing the data to support it by the turn of the century.
1: These early studies used longer-term steroids until 2017 when a five to seven day course became guideline standard.
0: But debate
1: still exists, like with PO
0: and IV steroids, which have equivalent outcomes. It's up to you. Which one are you going to choose?
1: In summary, COPD exacerbations have a huge impact on the morbidity and mortality of our patients, increasing our onus to seriously consider the implications of our treatments.
0: Hopefully, you learned a little about the data behind treatment for COPD.
1: And hopefully, it helped a little bit to understand how we got from there to here.
0: So, we know that we went kind of quickly through the data.
1: And arguably, not as in-depth as some might like.
0: So, as always, we want to encourage you to check out the data too. Take a look at the links below the podcast on the Clinical Correlations website so you can take the time to judge the data for yourself and sound smart on rounds.
1: Super smart. After all, this is a podcast talking about those gaps in our knowledge because you only heard it the one time. So if you really want to feel confident in the data, take the time to pick it apart yourself.
0: And if there are any other topics you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. I'm Steve Liu. And I'm Janine Knudsen. And remember, mind the gap. Thanks for listening. Disclaimer. Opinions in this podcast are our own and do not represent the opinions of NYU or other affiliated institutions. Please do not use this podcast for medical advice, but instead consult with your healthcare provider.
1: And you need to ask yourself what matters and how you make your decision. Don't. Come on. Only you can prevent forest fires. It's
0: like a sci-fi, like, only you can change the world. Yeah. Wait, do it again. Do it again.